0: Welcome to the CAP Region YP Insights Plus Resources for Young Professionals in the 518. Our podcast is presented by the Capital District Transportation Authority, CDTA. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CAP Region YP Insights Plus Resources for Young Professionals in the 518. My name is Lindsay Eisinger. Uh, the co-chair for the Communications Committee of the Capital Region Young Professionals Network. And I'm joined with my co-chair and co-host today, Annie Finn. Thanks for joining us, Annie. Hi, Lindsay. So happy to be here.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, back at you. And we're really excited to uh, recognize our our community speaker today, um, Meredith Cimento. Um, And Meredith, you know, it's, 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 Women's History Month. Um, so we thought there would be no more fitting guests than to have you with us. Um, so thank you for joining.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I'm really interested and looking forward to the conversation.
0: Awesome. And Meredith, you we know you serve on the Women's Business Council um, with the with the CAP Region, Capital Region Chamber of Commerce. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about, about what you do? Sure. So I've
2: been on the WBC, as we call it, for at least seven years and really became involved when I was looking to make a career change. I thought, what a better way than to network with women in the capital region through the WBC. So I served on the program committee for a few years and uh, last year was the program chair and this year I am the vice chair of the um, the WBC of the committee. So we work on programming. Um, That's really what I did for years bringing together, well, the pandemic changed everything virtual programming for the past two years. Um, But Women of Excellence, um, both in business, a variety of different programs um, that I think engage women and um, other individuals across, across the capital region.
0: That's awesome. And we know, you know, even outside of your involvement with the chamber, um, you're, you're very busy. So can you tell us about what you do at the Early Care and Learning Council? Sure, a good question. So the Early Care and Learning
2: Council is a state network. We're a membership organization. We have 35 office around, offices around New York State that basically do all things childcare. So my job really is to champion um, better pay for childcare providers, better access for families and to make ch- child care affordable and uh, provide quality care for children all throughout New York State. And so we do that in partnership with New York State Office of Children and Family Services. Uh, we contract with them for the majority of our work, and really focus on what working families need to succeed. and that's typically childcare subsidies for the majority of families in New York State so that they can afford child care because child care is super expensive and you have many years to pay for college or to you know save for college for your kids but you don't have any time to save for chi- save for childcare. so it's near and dear to my heart I was a single mom with an infant it is not what I expected it was not my career plan or my life goal but uh, I was um, suddenly with a new baby and uh, I had to have a family member pay for child care because I was a nonprofit professional making thirty grand a year 17 years ago and child care was fourteen thousand dollars a year so people are in um, tough positions and I've spent my entire career really trying to pay attention to um, people that just need a little bit extra in their lives to make me uh, I think make ends meet.
1: Yeah, that's great. So it sounds like you've been in the nonprofit industry for a very long time. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Did you choose nonprofit like right as a career choice? Did you kind of tumble into it? Um, I'd love to hear that.
2: Sure. So I was an English and anthropology major, which are really two majors, no offense to all the English majors out there that don't get you very far with a discernible skill set. But I thought I was going to be an anthrop- anthropologist. But um, I joined the Peace Corps actually right out of college um, and lived in the Dominican Republic. And that was before the Dominican Republic was a destination for many people to go to Punta Cana. Punta Cana was a sugar cane field. There were no resorts there. There were no you know waterfalls and swim up bars and I lived in a small village of about 250 people um, working on community education um, and just really knew that I was vested in making a difference in the lives of people. I think the biggest reflection for me as a Peace Corps volunteer though was that I was the one who changed the most. Um, Maybe I had an impact on a few people in my little village but I was the one that just grew exponentially and have seen that throughout my career, that as much as my work makes a difference, it's really how I as a human become a better person. Um, So I went to graduate school straight from the Peace Corps, which was really tricky. So village of 250 people to NYU for my master's. Um, That was a tough transition without a doubt. And then I've worked um, in a variety of nonprofits around the capital region for the past twenty five years.
0: Wow, what a story! I, I that gave me goosebumps when you said that you were maybe the most the one that was most changed after your time in the Peace Corps. That's awesome, and it's it's no surprise then, I guess, that you kind of chose the path that you did. And you know, I think with the work that you do now, especially, it's important because we know that obviously a lot of the burden of child's care um, falls on women. So I think that's awesome that you, you know, kind of what you went through has inspired you to, to help other women. So that's really great. Um, So since it is women's history month, do you have any female mentors or role model role models who have shared, you know, advice that always stayed with you or just encouraged you to, to kind of forge your path and, and stay on it?
2: yeah absolutely so i think the first person that really made a difference in my life was a woman that i worked with at the at the Capital district ymca karen hennett and she was the mom of four who really put her children and her career first and not many people um can do that i'm a mom of two and i have found it to be very challenging to strike that balance but it was always for me um making sure that I'm taking care of who I am first, who my children, um, what my children need, and then balancing the demands of work. And I think as a woman 25 years ago, working for her 20 years ago, we really did need to prove ourselves. And I'll tell you a quick story. I remember one day at the Y, um, someone was mean to me, a member, uh, they were upset that the basketball was flat or something crazy like that. And uh, I just, I had one of those days and I I cried a little and um, another woman, a senior staff member, grabbed me and said, you can't cry um, at work. And uh, I just didn't agree with that, to be honest. I think that that emotion, appropriate emotion, uh, there's an allowable place for that in work. And so my mentor, Karen and I, worked through that a lot is how do you balance who you are as a person and how you connect that to who you are as a professional. And the biggest piece um, is that she allowed me the opportunity to take, I think my zest for life and learning and uh, turn that into a a place that welcomed people from all around the community. Um, The second piece that she taught me was that no jobs too small. And so I think that's why I've been so successful in my So successful, but successful in my career um, is that I do, is that I just say yes and I still say yes. I say yes all of the time, not with mission drift about who we are as an organization, but that I know that I can get things done with hard work. And so I would clean bathrooms at the Y and fold laundry alongside our custodial staff, and I would write project proposals alongside of the CFO. So I think that's the piece for me uh that allows you to be successful is to really just take chances and risks and put yourself out there and recognize that you're part of a bigger a bigger team and a bigger community and that together you can be successful and that's what she taught me
1: that's a great story I love hearing that and just I completely agree with doing a little bit of everything and making everyone feel included on the team um as an emerging leader, it's important to have that mindset. Um, and so, I mean, you shared those stories and it sounds like that advice is stuff that you still practice constantly, but is there anything outside of that, that a piece of advice or a tidbit that you would give specifically to you know, emerging female leaders that are in YPN and beyond?
2: I think you have to learn when to ask for help. And I see that with staff that I supervise now and have supervised over the years, and I've supervised hundreds, um, is that it's okay to ask for help as long as you do it, not by saying I need help, but by presenting the problem, the way that you think you might be able to address the problem or the situation, and then mapping out and laying a framework for conversation with the person you're asking for help with. I think where we often fall short is when we just throw up our hands and say, I can't do it, I'm confused, I'm overworked, I'm exhausted. Instead of saying, these are the scenarios that I've played through, these are the different options that are ahead of us, I need your help to help me determine what the best course is. And it falls flat when you just say, I need help and don't provide any solutions or suggestions on on a pathway. I look for leaders or developing emerging leaders that are able to recognize when a problem is a little larger than they might have the experience um, necessary to, to navigate it. But when they come with ideas about how they might navigate it and that we can collectively come to a decision together so there's a difference right in just asking for help but asking for help in a way that shows that you've really thought through what the different um answers could be to the problem
0: yeah I think that's useful advice I always you know it's honestly one thing I have have been told is like you know, if you ask a question, it's like, well, what is your recommendation? And I think that's important to show that you've thought it through. And that is how you can really get to kind of the next level is coming with, here's what I think and here's why, but I need your help. Um, So I think that's great advice.
1: And I imagine that approaching situations like that helps build confidence, because if you start with a solution that you've thought of, you might not have completely fleshed out, but you work on it together, then that experience really just helps continue developing your critical thinking and um, problem solving skills. So it's really an opportunity. Yeah, definitely.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you know, one thing we always also like to ask is like is Ernie early care and the learning council, is that like an organization that um, accepts help? You know, do you take volunteers? What what can we plug for you? I guess is is one thing we always oh, like to that's ask.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> that's a- that we pass Build Back Better because we really need that funding from the federal government. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not a direct service organization, but I would plug the Child Care Resource and Referral Agencies right Side Up is our partner agency in the Capital District. And Brightside Up does a variety of different things to help child care providers, and they always are looking for volunteers. So absolutely look to my sister organization, Brightside Up, in the capital region. But I would say, and I think it's a piece that's really critical for so many people, is to begin to understand really how the government works, right? We all take government classes, we all understand how a bill becomes a law and can sing a song about it or something, but we don't understand about how our basic grassroots involvement in causes that are near and dear to your heart make a difference. And so for me, the understanding that education for all of us, for our youngest learners, because it starts at birth, right? To the my daughter who's graduating from high school right now, we they need the collective voice of our community to tell our legislators that we need investments in education. So if you wanna do one thing, Call your local legislator, call your state senator, and let them know that they need to invest in early care and learning because it's the future. There's workforce shortages all over the country, all over the world, all over the capital region. We're hiring. I can plug that. Take a look at our website, earlycareandlearning.org. Um, but the but um, there is without that investment in early education, we're never going to have that pipeline for, for for people to stay in the capital region. And that's what I think is important, is that we really understand how so much of the legislation that's passed, the funding that comes into our state, um, makes a difference in all of our, in any agency, um, non-profit, for-profit that you work for.
0: That's great. I can tell you I come from a family of teachers, and so I've I've, I've heard that, I've heard all of that before, and I think it is so important and it is something that's definitely worth calling attention to and, and learning about. Um, you know, They always talk about early childhood education, especially, and how that's important. And you know, I think one thing too, you, know, you mentioned federal assistance, but I think what you said as well about local representatives make a huge difference. So always a good reminder, even outside of times where we might be paying more attention to that stuff. So I think that that's really great. All right. Well, anything else, any other parting words, um, pieces of advice? Annie, do you have any other questions?
1: Um, I don't have any other questions, but I have enjoyed this conversation so much and learning about the work that you do. Um, We really appreciate your time. So thank you, Meredith.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. You know, I think something that's resonated with me recently is that it's. it's important to recognize the global picture of where you sit and as you're starting your career and recognizing or those people that are starting their career and recognizing that they're part of such a larger system asking at any time how you can support the needs of your company your community your co-workers it just went a long way for me um, in my, in my career um, with the funding of my organization is just by always asking, how can I help? And uh, I think I stole that from Max Goodwin on New Amsterdam, one of the shows I watch, but it's a good one. How can I help?
1: Absolutely. I love that. And I think that's something we can all take with us as we wrap this episode up. Um, Again, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks,
0: everyone. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, you can subscribe to the Cap Region YP on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and we will see you next month for our next Community Speaker segment. Thank you for listening to the Cap Region YP. The presenting sponsors for the Capital Region Young Professionals Network are Berkshire Bank, Ellis Medicine, National Grid, and TransFinder. The supporting sponsors for the Young Professionals Network are Community Resource Federal Credit Union and MVP Healthcare.